Hello, I'm Isabel, she, her, hers. And I'm David, he, him, his. And we're two therapists with ADHD who sit down to have some chats about ADHD. We can't promise we'll stay on topic or be professional or even remotely mature, but we can promise that you'll end up looking at you or your loved one's beautiful neurodivergent brain in a shiny new way. This is not a therapy session. This is something shiny. I love it. Do you like Uh, it? That's amazing. And can this just be the intro? You saying that and me freaking out about how amazing it is? Yeah. Did I, and you that dropping could, your voice? That could be, that could be our <laughs> first intro. So, <laughs> so without further ado, welcome to Something Shiny. I'm David. <laughs> In this episode... David is going to be giving a presentation he gives to professionals and folks with ADHD all across the country. It's amazing. And he managed to give it to some of our neurodiverse and neurotypical friends and family, Christina, AJ, Gabe, and my husband, Bobby. Thank you so much for joining us, amazing friends and family. So for this episode, you're going to hear David talking about a PowerPoint presentation. Kind of hard to do over a podcast. So if you want to see some of these visuals he's talking about, go to our show notes to a link or go straight to our website, somethingshinypodcast.com. That's somethingshinypodcast.com. And you can check them all out for free. Now, without further ado, here is the brilliant David talking about all things ADHD. My thing is I'm used to doing this talk for like a couple hundred people or like a bunch of clinicians. So I'm trying everything I can do to keep the energy down <laughs> so I don't wake up a child. Uh, but but I want to do this and I kind of want to give it to you just like I'd give it to a clinician. I think that's like the appropriate way to start. And then everything that doesn't make sense or sounds totally insane, push back because you don't have to be clinicians right now. Done. All right. So first thing we should know is that ADHD is just ADHD. There is no such thing as ADD. The reason they separated these for a long time is they thought they were different diagnoses and they're not. ADD and ADHD are the exact same thing in the brain. What we're going to learn is the mechanisms look exactly the same, the neurotransmitters are the same, but we see different behaviors. And over time, kids were self-identifying as ADD because they thought there was less stigma, like less letters meant like it wasn't as bad. So we had this divergent group where you'd see kids walking around going, oh, no, 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 I don't have ADHD, I just have ADD. And the just have ADD was the start of the fracture. We saw kids with serious self-esteem issues. And so now we only have ADHD with three subtypes, inattentive, hyperactive, and combined. We'll get into it later, but combined is basically both inattentive and hyperactive, but the environment unlocks it. Like, if you don't know what you're doing in a world, you'll be really inattentive. And if you do know what you're doing, you'll be really impulsive. Can I pause you on that? Yeah. So, say that last part again. The combined type. Uh-huh. This is. I love that you said that. What, it's yeah, like, what important. is inattentive? What is, yeah. There are three types of ADHD, inattentive type, impulsive type, and combination. Inattentive type is the kind of person that struggles to buy a printer. They'll wait for the best sale, and they'll wait about six to seven months before getting the printer when they needed one yesterday. Another way inattentive type shows up is when someone sees a very large menu, and they can't even begin to know where to start looking for food. Impulsive type is the kind of person that buys two printers, one right away, and another one when it's a much better deal for them that meets all their needs. Then they decide that they're going to sell one of the printers and then totally forget to sell the printer and they end up with two printers that they hopefully give away to somebody later on as an old Christmas gift. 
the combination type is what happens when you have more or less experience in the environment. If you're going into an environment that you've never been before, you're more likely going to be inattentive. And if you're going into an environment that you have a lot of mastery, you're going to be more, more likely impulsive. Congratulations. Environmental variables are fun. We should talk about blood flow because ADHD is not a learning disability. Did everyone know that, by the way? ADHD is not a learning disability. It's actually considered a medical difference. The brain runs differently, but it's not a learning disability. It can be disabling. And so what we don't see is people who have ADHD talking about it when they're not having problems. People with ADHD don't automatically quali qualify for help or accommodations in school. They have to evidence that they're struggling hard or bad enough to get these accommodations. And this is where ADHD becomes very tricky to deal with in the schools. Very tricky. Now, what ADHD is, is it's all about the forebrain. Just for a second, let's just like touch our heads and think about our, our brain being in three different places. The front of your head right here is like the flower. It's the rose petals. It's like the rose. The middle of your brain, that's the stem. That's leaves. And the back of your brain, that's the roots, right? Roots have no choice but to suck up water. They don't make any kind of decisions. The, the stem itself is very reflexive. It just turns light into energy. It doesn't really do anything. But a flower, you can tell what, what it is by its... By its the petals, it's a rose or it's a daisy or whatever it is. Our forebrains are who we are. It's this conversation, it's what you want tomorrow, it's everything that makes you unique. Now, typically, blood flows into your forebrain when you're trying to make decisions. It lets you to like wait or make a really good decisions or delay gratification for a while or like think, hey, what are the consequences of this later on down the road, right? Well, they did this test with people with ADHD. They took a group of people with ADHD and a group of people who didn't have ADHD and they brought them into a room. And they took the group of people who had ADHD and they said, look at that red dot. There's a red dot on the wall. And they all like looked at the red dot. They measured their brains and what their brains were doing while they were looking at the red dot. And then they ushered that group out and brought in the neurotypical people and they told them to look at the same dot. They looked at the dot and they took all the brain data and they ushered them out in the room. And what they noticed was when people with ADHD looked at the red dot, blood poured away from their prefrontal cortex. It goes into the mid and high brain. So when they were told to stare at the red dot, they're most likely looking at the red dot thinking, all right, I'm staring at the red dot. How long are, who's recording this thing? And what is it for? How long have I been sitting here? Oh my God, my laundry. I didn't put my laundry. Oh my God, did I leave the oven on? I left the oven on. And then someone says, stop looking at the red dot. And the person looks away and walks out of the room. But the entire time they're looking at it, they're not attending to the red dot. Whereas a neurotypical person is going, all right, I'm looking at the red dot. That's a red dot. It's red, circular. It's a dot. It's still there. It's not moving. They stay on task the whole time. <laughs> Sorry if that was... No, I don't like... like, like whoa. Is that, is that factual or exaggeration? No, that's actually factual. Neurotypical people, when they look at a red dot, can think that's a red dot more than once. More than once. And they articulate. No, better thing is when they look at the red dot, they're actually looking at the red dot. And when someone with ADHD is directed to look at the red dot, they're not. But if someone's talking to you about like, I don't know, brain chemistry or automotive repair and you find a red dot on the wall, you're going to see it like a neurotypical person would if they were directed at it. It's, does that make sense? Yeah, you can pay attention to it very well. It's attention variability, not deficit. It's a better way of thinking about it. So you can look at the red dot, but under different environmental contexts. If someone goes, stare at this red dot, like I'm betting when you were a kid, one of your parents said, look at me while I'm talking to you. And in that moment, you had to like not laugh. 
and you got in more trouble, right? Because when they demanded your attention, the blood flowed away from your prefrontal cortex. You are less able to concentrate that moment and you are like losing skills and your parent thinks that you're trying to like wreck their life. Why are you mocking me right now? Does that make any sense? I'm reaching into your memory and putting it on a screen, right? So, but that's what ADHD looks like. It's as you're demanding more focus, you lose the ability to focus unless there's a crisis. Is ADHD neurologically different from when you're brain is wandering because you're bored? Yes. I love that question. When you're, the best thing, the thing I learned recently that I've been like just tripping out about is the word patience. Does anyone know where the root word of that comes from? I think, isn't it suffering? It's suffering. <gasps> the, the root word of patience or patient, either or, like in a doctor's office or waiting in line is suffering. And so we're all experiencing suffering when you're bored, right? We're all, all having life. to, yeah, like, like it is, life is suffering. <laughs> But what's actually, what we're talking about with ADHD is the different level of intensity of the experience. So a person with ADHD would have a more intense experience of dissatisfaction. It would be, it would be much harder for them to tolerate less stimulation. Because when you're saying boredom, we're saying no structure and we're saying no stimulation. You can't be bored if I'm saying sit in the corner for 10 minutes because I literally just gave you structure and now you can like you know, piss and moan about sitting in the corner for 10 minutes, but there's actually structure on what you're supposed to do. If I say, I'll be back in 10 minutes, now it's absent of structure. Mm -hmm. And now you're just gonna go into routine, you're just gonna go to reflex, like, I was watching TV, I'll keep watching TV. Does that make sense? It's a really good question. So what no one on the podcast right now can hear, or see actually, is all the four brain skills that I have listed right here that everyone can look at. For pictures of this slide and other resources, check out our show notes and follow the link to our website, somethingshinypodcast.com. That's somethingshinypodcast, all one word, dot com. It's chock full of detailed show notes, definitions, links, and resources we're always updating. So check it out. I'm going to read them off, and I feel totally bad doing that because I hate it when people, like, read the things that I can read myself out loud. No, it's like a pet peeve when, like, the teacher would put the transparency up, and they're like, I'm going to read this to you, and everyone can read it. Anyway, so under four brain skills, we have delay of gratification. Delay of gratification is a neurological skill that has to do with waiting to get your reward. The delay is very hard for people with ADHD. Think of it like this. I'm going to finish this sentence. See? That delay, that was hard. Black and white thinking. Black and white thinking is a neurological skill that has to do with seeing one clear right and one clear wrong. Believing or acting as if there are only two possible ways out, a right and a wrong. The difficulty here is most situations in life involve a lot of gray area. And believing there's only a win or a loss leaves us to back ourselves up against a fence, fighting off a band of wolves with a hard noodle. Maybe that's just me. It didn't work out well, but I'm here now. Time and organizational skills. Time and organizational skills are neurological skills that help you assess how long it's going to take for you to finish a task, plan a transition, times in a task, and appropriately guessing how all of those times will fit together. Most people with ADHD struggle with parts of time management. They'll know how long the drive takes. They'll forget how long the walk from the parking lot takes. The big thing that we're talking about here is response cost. That's the neurological skill that helps you know what the consequences of your actions are later on down the road. So people with ADHD naturally have less skills around response cost. This is the part of the brain that the blood leaves the most, right? This is, these people have a very hard time knowing the consequence of the action. Like, this is a very ADHD college thought that I hear all the time. 
I'm just going to study really hard and go to the final. <laughs> I'm going to ditch every class and still do well in the class. The thing about someone with ADHD is they actually think they can do well in the class by doing that. The neurotypical person goes, I don't care about getting a good grade in this class because I don't need home act for, to graduate, so I'm going to go ahead and get a C and I don't care about it. Whereas the person with ADHD would be like, I could do this well later and then not have the time to do it. That's response cost. Is this the same for all three subtypes yes. of ADHD? Yes. The, the amount of how this is affected is totally like, um, it's part of the vulnerability package. <laughs> Like, like, so for inattentive uh, hyperactivity, they're going to have a much greater view of response cost. And what I mean by that is an inattentive person will struggle, struggle between buying two printers for like six months and then like a year later buy one printer. And that's an issue with response costs. They didn't really look at the return on investment of not having that printer for a year while trying to get the best deal for it. Whereas the impulsive person would buy two printers, one, and then when one really good one later goes on sale two months later, they'll get the other one and try to sell one on eBay, but never really post it and then forget to send it to their friends and then have it be in the corner that they give to somebody else for Christmas two years later. <laughs> why is, why are both of those in my life? Why are both of Because you're the third subtype. Yeah, and if you're the third subtype, it happens based on like how much expertise you have in the situation. So like if I'm a short order cook and I have ADHD and I'm in a restaurant, like I'm going to be like making burgers really fast, right? But if I'm a short order cook and all of a sudden you put me into like dress shopping, I will be like totally not knowing what to do. I won't know how to find structure and I'll be really dysregulated. Mm -hmm. But I'll look like a dumb guy that just hates dress shopping. The other thing about like the, when we think about forebrain skills is to think about black and white thinking. That's because when you're, when you're someone with ADHD and you're arguing, there's something that's really important. The act of debate elicits dopamine. The act of debate. You don't have to win. So having a black and white thinking lets you get into a lot of arguments with people that you don't have to win that naturally reinforce you because ADHD is a condition that is dopamine deficient at all times. All right, so dopamine deficient, what does that mean? What is, what is, what is, like, I'm, I'm going to play yeah. Columbo right yeah. now. Okay. What is dope? Like, what is dopamine? What? If we think about, like, neurotransmitters mm -hmm. and how awesome they are, dopamine is hands down the best neurotransmitter. It is sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Like, 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 no joke, if you're having sex, you're getting dopamine. If you're listening to rock and roll, you're getting dopamine. If you're eating chocolate while you're chewing it, you're getting dopamine. Dopamine is part of winning. Dopamine is like everything that we want while we're, like, dopamine is heroin, right? It's a pretty important thing. But the difference between neurotransmitters and hormones are very important here. A hormone is like a thermostat. You know, I could set it to 80 and it'll take it a while to get there. It doesn't like just flip there overnight. Well, a neurotransmitter is like a light switch. It's on or it's off. So a really strange thing is all screens, they have neuro, uh, they elicit blue photons. So anytime you're looking at a screen, you're getting dopamine. So if you like, um, what I see all the time in the room with like friends and kids and grownups, and this is where I'm gonna say like, this is not about something that only happens to kids, they'll be watching TV, right? And I'm looking away from you, but now someone try to get my attention. Hey. Yeah, what do you need? I need your attention. You got it. What do you need? And, I and, don't think I have. And so, and so why don't you think you have my attention right now? Because you're still watching the TV. Yeah, yeah, but my whole body is facing you and I'm repeating what you're saying accurately. Like, why don't you think I have... Uh, well, well, that's a good pass. <laughs> right? And so the second I look away from the TV, now you get this. Like, what? What? Why? What? What? What did you need? You're like, I'm, my, I'm bleeding or something's wrong. I'm like, oh God, okay, let's do something. But what's important to acknowledge is the second I look away, no more dopamine. 
you're seeing the deficiency. The person's actually getting into a starving condition. And so the hardest thing is when, when, you're, when you're watching the TV, you're actually being satiated. You're actually getting some neurochemicals that you need. And the second someone rips them away, let's think about like typically it takes a lot of like energy to get someone to turn away. Like, I'm talking to you, right? Like someone has to yell. And then the other thing that happens is like you have to starve yourself to detach from it. And what doesn't ever get validated is that the person with ADHD is actually starving. They're actually experiencing the dopamine deficiency when they're not looking at the device. Well, how is it different than a regular person? Oh, that's even better. It's going to go right into my analogy. Okay, ready? Right. And also, second question. This, you can tie it in anytime. Okay. But dopamine deficiency, uh, how that to me, that just sounds like depression. Perfect. I'm going to wrap this all up with this great visualization. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, so... I want you to imagine a conveyor belt, right? And, and on that conveyor belt, we'll make a neurotypical person, right? So a, a neurotypical person has a bunch of shot glasses on this conveyor belt. And at the end of the conveyor belt, there's a mustard bottle because I hate ketchup. So when the, when the, when the little shot glass gets under the mustard bottle, it gets a <clears throat> squirt, it completely fills it up and it gets to the rim. The fact that the mustard touches the rim of the shot glass means the person feels satiated. They feel full. So that's the neurotypical person. Like, I'm going to watch some TV. And then they watch TV for 45 minutes. Like, oh, I'm full of that. And they get up and leave because their dopamine is full. Their shot glass was satiated. They've had enough chocolate. They can put down the French fries. They don't need to keep doing whatever. Now, for an ADHD person, we're going to, like, clear all the shot glasses off the conveyor belt. And we're going to replace them with pint glasses. Right? Yeah, big pint glasses. And what it gets is it gets the same measured squirt that the shot glass gets, but it never gets close to the rim of the pint glass. So what happens is while the person is doing the thing, it's <coughs> oh, that's the grossest noise ever for dopamine. Can you please like edit out that noise and then put a really cool like rainbow noise or something? I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna use that in our intro. <laughs> Be like something shiny. <laughs> oh no. Not going to go into our intro, but it is a pretty great idea. And so what you're seeing in that process while that pint glass is under that mustard bottle and it's getting that same measure of squirt, you're seeing hyperfocus. That's when somebody can't stop building the Lego castle until their fingers are bleeding or they're like still finishing that one picture that they're working on for 13 hours because the shading isn't right on the left ear. It's a process that someone gets stuck in doing the whole time they're building on mastery or working on the thing that you're, they're good at, they're getting dopamine. The second they stop... They don't. This is actually why people have a hard time finishing projects. It's because the act of completion ends the dopamine. It ends the structure. It ends all the accommodations that the person has. I'm yeah. confused though, because earlier you said difficulty focusing, I'm um, paying your attention to the mm -hmm. red dot, and now it's hyper-focused. Mm -hmm. so. What elicits hyper-focus versus what makes it distracted? The environment, safety, comfort and the person's experience. So in ADHD, a person needs greater levels of stimulation to attend or greater levels of structure to attend. So if someone's inattentive, they're gonna need less options. We're going out to dinner, do you want hot food or cold food? <laughs> All of a sudden, it's, oh, I want hot food, perfect. Spicy food or not spicy, not spicy. All right, done, 
we're getting burgers. No, I don't want burgers. Well, I want burgers. And you can find a fish sandwich. You move on, right? But if it's hyperactive, they literally will have texture issues trying to eat the food that they don't want to eat. So the accommodations kind of go, where do you want to eat? And they're like, I want pizza. And you're like, I don't want pizza for the 30th time. You get pizza and I'm going to go eat a fish sandwich. But it's about not having to match your environment to the other person's environment. It's the accommodations are around independence and it's around safety and it's around consistency. It's not answering your question. Like I'm dancing like a bear right now because the difference in terms of inattention, it's ADHD is best not thought about as a deficit of attention. Like it's, it's the worst title we could have possibly given ADHD. It, it would be better named AV, attention variability. That because people with, with, with ADHD have an overabundance of attention, like not a deficit of attention. At this point, like I'm still listening to the fridge in the corner. I've noticed the creaking under my floor like 16 times in the last three minutes. Like I'm paying attention to a lot of things like while we're talking, but I've learned how to like focus on what I'm talking about. An ADHD individual without accommodations will get distracted by the fridge or the creaking and then we'll forget that we're talking about the difference between attention and inattention. And I think like something as you're talking, just a follow-up question to that is that I guess when... A neurotypical person hears the floor creaking or hears the fridge. Like, I guess, what do you call it when they're able to tune that out? Like, is that also a form of hyperfocus? Because if I'm if I'm imagining hyperfocus is like you're in that zone, you're you're starving for dopamine, you're getting a lot of dopamine doing the thing you're doing, you're gaining mastery, you're like loving it. This is why. Okay, this is why I'm going to make this. I'm going to throw a wrench. Mm-hmm. If you've seen one kind of ADHD, mm-hmm. you've seen one kind of ADHD. Mm. Right. So in terms of inattention or hyperactivity or combined, like how we harness that or how a a neurotypical person harnesses attention, it's a very different thing because someone with ADHD can have an overabundance of attention. They can have more attention than a neurotypical person. Mm -hmm. Right. And they can have less. And the environment dictates that. So we say, like, what's happening for a a neurotypical person? We're saying the environment does not dictate their ability to attend as much. Oh, so, like, they would be able to focus in or focus out regardless of if they're in a crowded room, regardless if they're, like, by themselves, regardless if there's, like, music playing. Like, like they would just kind of have a rough average of how they could do it. Or they would really, they would be very aware of why they can't focus. I can't focus. It's too loud over here. Where the ADHD person would not be attending to that. So they'd be like, what? Say that again for the third time. Like they would feel like they're failing the other person by not hearing them. Whereas a neurotypical person would be like, I, I, I totally can't talk here. Let's move. It's the ability to have self-esteem to advocate for the learning environment. Neurotypical people feel like whatever they're asking for, it makes sense. Whereas anyone with ADHD, if they're asking for something, they think it's because they're different or deficient. Well, because it, it's, I mean, I mean, I know you experience it more, so it's like hilarious. Like it could just be literally the fridge running or the floor creaking, yeah. and that's enough. You ever gotten cereal and found that there's like a prize in the bottom, but but there's like five prizes that you have to collect. You got to collect them all. Well, my lecture is being broken up into small prizes that are found at the bottom of cereal boxes. Except instead of a cereal box, it's this podcast, and we will slowly be releasing them. Thank you so much for listening. If you ever have that thought where you think, hey, I'm nothing, stop. Remember, you're something. Something's shiny. That's right. Just as you are. 
If you like what you heard and you want to hear more free episodes of this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're on Instagram as Something Shiny Podcast. And if you're looking for more information, useful links, definitions, visuals, everything we can think of and more is on our website at somethingshinypodcast.com. And it's all free. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in two weeks.